This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. This is Ron Mail from Sparks. And this is Russell Mail from Sparks. And you're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. And you're listening to, hello, you're listening to Cerise Howard, not Flick Ford. Um, Flick is not here this evening. Um, she is uh, probably having a very splendid time somewhere after enjoying some connubial shenanigans on the weekend. Congratulations, Flick. Instead, dear listeners, you are lumbered with me. Uh, a knockoff of Flick Ford, so to speak. And that could be the first of many obscure puns connected to the band Sparks, um, which uh, may come up in the course of this evening's Sparkstacular Part 2 show. Uh, you, some of you, uh, the more devoted listeners out there, might recall I was on the air joining Flick back in October, I think the 23rd, just before Sparks were in town. We ran an interview with Ron and Russell Mayle of Sparks to talk uh, at some length about all of their wonderfully ever-mutating, varied, uh, decades-long musical stylings and their links to cinema, the art of cinema. They are cinephiles like me and like Morty Osborne, who is behind a panel opposite me. Hi, Morty. Good evening, Cerise. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to be here with you. Oh, it's always lovely to be here with you, Cerise. Now, before we start digging deep into the Sparks discography and uh, deep diving into links to cinema, things cinematic in that discography, let me begin by acknowledging that we are on Wurundjeri country uh, as we broadcast this evening. It is unceded lands on the Kulin Nations. This always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Now, Morty, you saw Sparks recently. I only just learned that you're a Sparks fan as well. How serendipitous. I know. We were actually, I believe, at the same concert. So we attended the gig at the Palais Theatre. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a Thursday or Wednesday night. It was night. a Thursday. It was a Thursday night indeed. I went with my father and my younger brother. Um, my father is the man responsible for actually uh, sort of solidifying my love of Sparks. So I owe a very great debt to him. Actually, the very first graveyard shift I ever did on the station, I did play Sparks. Do you, do you recall which track? This town ain't big enough for the both of us. Mm. Or was that or it was When I'm With You? Ah, well, this town, I mean, there's a cinematic title I if know. ever there were. <laughs> and a very cinematic operatic song. Um, 
some semblance of that song might turn up yet in the course of the next hour. We'll see. We're going to try to cram an awful lot in. Um, so we're going to try to keep the talking to a, a little bit of a minimum, just a bit of contextualising of each uh, track, each Sparks selection this evening. Um, and I'm going to begin um, by pulling a track from a radio play, seems appropriate, uh, The Seduction of Ingmar Bergman that they recorded back in 2009 for Swedish radio and made a, a lovely double album of. It is a, a concept piece imagining an alternate history for Ingmar Bergman, the great Swedish auteur, uh, in which he is uh, feels the allure of Hollywood um, and pays it a visit. And we're going to hear a track called The Studio Commissary, in which you'll hear any number of name drops of other filmmakers before Bergman who had emigrated from Europe and found success in Hollywood. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. So it's long been suggested that a film adaptation might yet emerge of that extremely cinephilic radio play, uh, which is full of, of course, amazing music. Um, Guy Madden has been linked to it and did participate in a production of it, a sort of a live read of it at Los Angeles Film Festival many years back. Uh, And actor Jason Schwartzman was on board. Um, Nothing has come of it yet. There's also been talk of an animated film of The Seduction of Ingmar Bergman that uh, could be directed by Joseph Wallace, whose animation is very familiar to anyone who's seen the Sparks Brothers documentary, Edgar Wright's beautiful documentary. Uh, But Joseph Wallace has also done beautiful animation prior to that for Sparks. So the next track we're going to throw to is for his just gorgeous video clip for Edith Piaf, Said It Better Than Me, from 2017's Hippopotamus. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. So prior to those sponsorship announcements, we heard Edith Piaf said it better than me from the 2017 album Hippopotamus, the same album that also contained When You're a French Director, which uh, had a special guest appearance from director Leos Carax singing and playing the accordion, singing a song about cliches about being a French director, uh, how you're not so much a director as an auteur. What the hell does that mean, the song asks? Um, the auto theory is controversial even today in cinephile circles. <laughs> is it not, Morty? Oh, it, it still is, Cerise. Yeah. I have very strong feelings about it, which we won't delve into okay. on air. All right. <laughs> we won't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, that same album has a wonderful closing track too called Life with the Macbeths, which imagines the Macbeths as the star of a reality TV show and features Rebecca Sjoval, who was one of the voices uh, in The Seduction of Ingmar Bergman. She's an extraordinary soprano. Um, but Edith Piaf said it better than me. Uh, Jeanne Regret Rion. I regret my French uh, pronunciation. <laughs> um, fantastic clip. Um, a few sort of French crime film tropes mentioned in it. That's the song from the perspective of someone who regrets nothing simply because they never did anything interesting, like having midnight drives with a crime boss's wife. Sad life. Very sad. Um, an interesting link there being with Edith Piaf. She was, of course, portrayed on screen by Marion Cotillard. Uh, in an Oscar-winning performance, an Academy Award performance. There's a Sparks uh, tip of the hat there too from a 
great track that we played in that previous Sparks special from the album Number One in Heaven. Um, of course, Marianne Cotillard later appeared in Annette, directed by Leos Carax. But we're going to go to the first time that Carax and Sparks intersected now in um, Carax's truly bonkers uh, film from 2012, Holy Motors. From the album Indiscreet from back in 1975, Sparks' fifth album, let's uh, pose the question, Morty. How are you getting home? I'll be getting home via tram tonight, I think, Cerise. But um, for the meantime, I think I'm going to enjoy this wonderful track. Uh, from Holy Motors from 2012, how are you getting home? Uh, uh, film, uh, not exactly a conventional narrative film. Largely concerns the adventures of, is he a jobbing actor who somehow has roles to play in actual real life? It's very peculiar, but Denis Levant, a very singular performer, uh, perhaps best known for Beau Travail, Claire Denis' film, mm. where he has especially wonderful dance sequence that uh, closes that film. That's not really a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> it isn't actually really. No, it's uh, not. Um, he plays Mr. Oscar, uh, sort of a, a stand-in for Leos Carrick, which is an anagram of Alex Oscar, make of that what you will, uh, as he just goes from job to job. Um, and uh, we hear that that song playing as he's just uh, journeying along before soon after hearing a bit of Kylie of all things Sparks and Kylie I love that cameo in Hot mm. Motors though isn't that fantastic I didn't see that coming I have to say <laughs> the first time I saw that and uh, yeah and you know, then it's a total Kylie banger as well isn't it it can't get you out of my head yeah. yeah yeah incredible um so uh thinking of things directorial uh, we'll throw in a moment to a, a song. We're going to leap forward 30-odd years from the time that um, How Are You Getting Home was recorded to their 21st album, Exotic Creatures of the Deep, from 2008. Um, one of many songs where the song is explicitly about filmmaking. And uh, it's fairly self-explanatory, I think, as much as any of their songs ever are. They, they're usually riddled with um, metaphors and meta-commentary and irony and it's not always entirely easy to unpack them. No, and also phenomenal wit as well. Yeah. I think they're incredibly tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, except for when they're not. But they no. can be quite inscrutable <laughs> about exactly what they're being sincere about. There's a lovely lyric in a, a song on... Um, Oh, and I see drip, 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 I think, where they refer to their insincerity being their sincerity. Um, while I throw to this track, I'll look up just which song that was. But we're going to hear from Exotic Creatures of the Deep in 2008. We're going to hear the track, The Director Never Yelled, Cut! You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R, exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. And then the song ended. Seems apt. But you, know, you can never be so sure that anything will be so literal with, with Sparks. A uh, favourite uh, sort of track from their new waviest era, uh, I Predict, has uh, Russell Mayle singing, I Predict, uh, that the song will fade out. Yes, the song will fade out. Uh, it doesn't. It just ends. You know, what wags they are. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the director never yelled cut. And that was from 2008 of the album Exotic Creatures of the Deep. It was the album that they had the bright idea to launch by immediately prior to premiering it in concert form, running a concert series 
that spanned a little under a month and played all of their 20 prior albums That's in sequence. Right, yes. In London, a truly bonkers <laughs> undertaking, to say the, the very least. Oh, to have been there, Morty. Cerise. You'd have liked to have been there, I, I would wager. I probably would have, would you? Oh, God, if only I'd been a bit more switched on and, uh, you know, gadding around the globe at that point in my life as well. I gather it was all just in a a reasonably modest-sized venue in London, almost night after night. There were occasionally nights off, but that's just one of the most mind-boggling accomplishments. That I mean, You can find some accounts of those concerts online. Some people have uploaded their own footage to YouTube so you can kind of uh, experience something of what that must have been like. I know some people out there went night after night for oh, wow. all 20, only for then the 21st to premiere the new album. Anyway, extraordinary. Um, so um, I'm yelling cut on that particular uh, ramble and ready to move on to the next clip, uh, next song, um, celebrating a clip, um, a, a, a beautiful video clip directed by Sophie Muller. For all I know, uh, she might have been the director who never yelled cut in the previous song. I don't know. Um, but we're going to have a little listen to uh, a fave of mine, and it was a fave when they played it at uh, the Palais back in October, one of the ones that had, I think, probably every single person in the theatre Standing, not so much standing as dancing, but certainly out of their seats. Uh, it's uh, the video clip is presented as if it's a trailer for a film noir um, in which two brothers torn apart by ambition seem to be battling one another. There are no prizes for um, guessing who the two brothers are, and at stake seems to be the love of a beautiful woman who was the drummer at the time, the extraordinary Christy Hayden. The clip in question uh, is for the song we're about to hear. And it poses the question, when do I get to sing my way? This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. When do I get to sing my way? From gratuitous sax and senseless violins from 1994. Uh, an obviously very punny album title that uh, sounds kind of like a, a, a very, almost, let's say, 80s criticism of certain, you know, from certain sectors of the media about uh, certain trends in cinema around that time being full of gratuitous, well, not necessarily sax, but certainly plenty of senseless, well, perhaps not violins either, but sex and violence. What else do you want from cinema, Morty? Just sex and violence, sex I think, sorry. That's enough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Look, it's a really fun clip by the incredibly prolific Sophie Muller, who uh, I think has directed in excess of 300, 350-plus clips. Um, it's not the only one she did for Sparks. She also directed a clip for another song off that album, uh, the clip for When I Kiss You. I hear Charlie Parker playing. Um, but the, the clip for When Do I Get to Sing My Way is really fun. Uh, it begins with Ron mouthing the words, which is kind of an inversion of the norm, given that he normally writes the lyrics for his brother to sing. Um, Ron also gets to sing the bridge. It's, uh, it really plays with this idea of there being some rivalry between the, uh, the workaholic songsmith who is the quiet introverted genius of the band versus the flamboyant uh, frontman who gets all the ladies. Though it's never been particularly clear whether he's actually interested in the ladies. It's such a wonderful 
androgyny about both of them really in quite mm. distinct ways. But I think they play up that uh, enigmatic quality of their own uh, gender and sexuality very well. They're, 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 it's riddled throughout their, their uh, discography and their on-screen appearances as well in their videos. Um, and then, yeah, we see quite a bit of Christy Hayden, uh, then their drummer, in the clip and uh, I'm going to use her as something as the segue to the next tune but not before actually just a little acknowledgement that uh, well of course I mean this song references not just Frank Sinatra who most popularised really the, the I mean his name is synonymous with my way with singing my way um he didn't write it i think that was paul anker but uh, it also the film uh, the song does also reference sid vicious's version of course um which is itself taken from a film the, the great rock and roll swindle from julian temple in 1980 apparently red cross covered the song in in uh 2019 and i, I gave that a listen just today because i didn't know that beforehand it's a pretty cracking version of it as well anywho back to christy hayden now she um she was a, a regular extra on Star Trek The Next Generation. I don't know if you were ever a Trekkie, Morty. No, I, I was not, but uh, I have relatives who, who are, and I'm sure we'll probably know that. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, she was the one who would regularly be there on the bridge. I don't know if she ever really got any dialogue, but she was always very striking. She had a classic Louise Brooks bob. And, um, and we see that in the, the clip for When Do I Get to Sing My Way as well. Um, the Sparks brothers also tried to launch a solo career for her. They never really took off, but they wrote this fabulous song uh, that is available as a an extra track on some expanded versions of the album Gratuitous Sax and Census Violins. And it is, uh, in fact, right on point for this particular uh, deep dive into Sparks' discography because it's all about Catherine Hepburn. And that's one we've opted just to fade down. The director didn't so much yell cut as direct, just a gentle fade out. There's about another minute or so of instrumental. I mean, it's lovely. But we want to talk a little more about uh, Sparks and cinema um, and perhaps squeeze another track in at the end. But that is a, a little-known track, which I rather adore. It's got a beautiful voice. Um, and it's celebrating the... Especially the... Great Hollywood love affair between Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, a sort of an open secret that went on for about 25 or more years. I think more like 30 almost, oh, actually, yeah. And several on screen collaborations, um, as sung by Christy Hayden, then the drummer of Sparks. And I'm going to introduce the next film. Uh, Using the drummer motif, uh, next drummer, Tammy Glover, uh, appears, in a sense, in the video clip for the next song we're going to hear, which is from the album Balls from 2000. This is a, a song and a clip I, I really adore, uh, directed by Olivier Kunzel and Florence Degas. It's um, one of several gorgeous clips they've made for Sparks, um, always with some form of animation in the mix. In this case, uh, the animated clip, which starts with the projector sound, uh, is it sort of of that rubber hose animation style, if you know what I mean at all, Morty. If you think of the very earliest 
American cartoons where figures are constantly bouncing, uh, everything's smiling manically and jogging about on the spot. It's just all very perky, uh, which is perfectly suited to animating, especially Russell Mail. Ron is there at the keyboards, still animated, got to play the keys, but Russell is bounding about. Um, They're all sort of sort of insectoid form. It's all full of critters. Uh, The song is Calm Before the Storm, and uh, let's hear it. And we're back. And when I say we, I mean me, Cerise Howard, and you, Morty Osborne. Hi, Morty. Hi, Cerise. Yeah, and we're still doing this Sparks-tacular episode of Primal Screen. Uh, We just heard, prior to the sponsorship announcements, Calm Before the Storm from the 2000 album Balls. Um, Beautiful animated clip, um, a la early US animation, sort of got a real silly symphonies or early Fleischer Brothers vibe. Um, The Fleischer Brothers did the Betty Boop cartoons. Yes. And there's a hint of Wizard of Oz in the mix there uh, as well. and the, the same directorial partnership also did some other great clips for Sparks, including a very peculiar one called I Married Myself, already quite a strange song, an interesting sentiment. Um, and uh, also, speaking of odd sentiments, they did a clip for Now That I Own the BBC, which is an interesting uh, fantasy that perhaps some people have. I don't know. Um, still, Sparks uh, imagined just such a scenario and put it to song. Anyway, um, while we're celebrating links between sparks and animation, uh, as came up in the conversation I had with Ron and Russell Mayall that we had on the October 23rd edition of Primal Screen, they wrote two songs with direct Disney connections. One, uh, the first one that we played on that show, Mickey Mouse, being a celebration of Mickey Mouse and seemingly very sincere. Uh, Russell Mayall is adamant that it was a sincere tribute but that initially got disney's lawyers interested they didn't you know disney have always been very protective of their ip but then somehow they warmed to the sparks disney axis um and actually commissioned from them for a a 1983 disney album called splash dance and you really couldn't make this stuff up uh a song called Minnie mouse Yes, from the 1983 Disney album Splash Dance, uh, the sequel to Mickey Mouse, you could say, uh, which was on their 11th album, Angst in My Pants, from 1982. And uh, yeah, there is a lovely animated clip for that you can find on YouTube. There's other wonderful animated clips for their work. Uh, shout out to director, uh, oh, I've, I think it's Chris Lundgren for One for the Age... Yeah, one for the ages. Uh, and Syriac for a truly berserk, uh, kind of upsettingly bizarre clip. Quite stressful for the existential threat, so actually appropriate. Both those songs off a steady drip, drip, drip from just a few years ago. And it's almost time to close this thing off, uh, off out. Uh, that was a weird merger of two very similarly, but... Like, I've almost run out of English, so it is clearly time to... Nearly, clearly time. Clearly, nearly time? Clearly, nearly time? I think Minnie Mouse has just scrambled my brain. (laughs) Um, We'll throw very shortly to Jason Moore for local and or general, but we'll throw in one last track. Um, This was from uh, a film uh, from the great Hong Kong director Chui Hark. Now... In the 1994 album Gratuitous Sex and Senseless Violin, Chui Hark actually had a bit of a cameo, actually recited a whole lot of facts about his career to a song bearing his name, a peculiar little cameo that set in motion Sparks actually working on a film of his just as he was 
trying to break into Hollywood and made a very strange film around or just after the time of the handover there, a very complex time in Hong Kong history. Uh, a Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle where, in which, bizarrely, he plays a Hong Kong fashion designer. Uh, and I'm not making this up, Morty. I know you're looking incredulously at me. He partners with Rob Schneider... Uh, <laughs> He plays an undercover CIA agent investigating black marketeering. Uh, the song, um, well, the film is called Knock Off, and the song, it's a knockoff. I have been a knockoff of Flick Ford tonight. Uh, Morty Osborne, so have you. Panelling <laughs> sort of. And on the mic as well. So between us, we have been a hopefully reasonably entertaining Sparks-obsessed knockoff of Flick Ford. <laughs> Let's throw to Sparks one last time this evening. Bye, listeners. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 